Welcome to Maestro's On Air, presented by the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra, recorded live at Maestro's Cafe, located at the Brevard Central Library and Reference Center in beautiful Cocoa, Florida. Maestro's On Air is a discussion of culture, news events, and life on the Space Coast. It highlights the music, the concerts, and the personalities of the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. Today's show features President of the Symphony Board, Eric Lee. Now your host, SCSO Director of Communications, Bill Trudeau. Good evening, Eric. Good evening, Bill. This is a beautiful night. Good evening, Jeremy. Good evening, gentlemen. We are out front of Maestro's Cafe on the patio on what is a beautiful evening tonight. This it is, really is. This is Chamber of Commerce weather, yes. let me tell you. Yes, it is. I, I don't know what that is, Chamber <laughs> of Commerce weather. Chamber of Commerce weather is when you want to encourage people to move to Florida. You could show uh, people. Oh, that's right. It's a marketing tool. Exactly. That is nice. So we're sitting out here. I've got, you know, T-shirt, shorts on. You know, up north, people are getting hammered with snow even not that far north from us. So yes. it is a beautiful day to be here at the Central Brevard, Central Brevard Library and Reference Center. Well, I'm Bill Trudeau, your host. Eric. I'm Eric Lee. Yep, president of the board. Thank you. And our illustrious... Jeremy Hickman. Yeah, Jeremy Hickman, our illustrious producer. Yes, and he's got a very fancy microphone, ladies and gentlemen. I love that microphone. It's really cool looking. It's blue. It's um, got a... It's my my favorite mic. It it, uh, looks uh, ancient and vintage uh, but it actually has the newest digital technology in it and so that's that's me i'm bridging the past and the future and that's right i'm very proud of that so letterman would love to have that mic oh yeah it's a good look <laughs> it's a good looking mic letterman yeah. loves the old-fashioned looking mics um jeremy how many mics do you have Oh, gentleman never tells. Oh, <laughs> you just it. packed although, my Twinkie. <laughs> although, for a sound guy, I, there is an answer in terms of uh, how many numbers is the correct number of mics to have. Yeah, how many? One more. One more. Oh, oh, one more. oh I like the answer to that. Oh, there you have it. Oh, you could say that joke about guitars or cars Anything. or whatever. Yeah. Anything. One more. Sure. Speaking of one more. Yeah. Yeah. What do we have coming up? We've got all sorts of stuff coming up. We this have another is, thing coming up. One more thing coming up. This is a fun-filled show. First thing I'd like to talk about here at Maestro's Cafe, we have free Wi-Fi for customers. Oh, that's good. Nice. So, nice. And a customer is someone who actually buys something. You okay. can't, like, you know, bring so, your own food and drink. <laughs> so no, no loiterers. Loiterers. Right. You actually have to be a bona fide customer. No loitering. And then you get the secret password, and then you... Uh, get Wi-Fi and it doesn't kick you off. It's much, you know, more stable than like the free library Wi-Fi. There was this restaurant in Orlando. I'm not kidding. True yeah. story. Yeah. Uh, somebody was really upset. and I witnessed it. I was right there. Somebody was upset. Not at my table, of course, yeah. about the service taking so long, their food taking too long to get to them. And um, so they ordered a pizza from their cell phone to be delivered right there at that restaurant <laughs> really? at their table. And they did. They delivered it. I couldn't believe it. And they got the pizza the before their... The pizza they're... still got there before their order. They wow. were that busy. Wow. That's something. Yeah. It well, was a Mexican restaurant. Well, tonight, you know, was pretty busy at Maestro's Cafe. They had the uh, painting party. Yes. I mean, I'm. it's amazing 
the work that the painters are coming up with. It's really top-notch stuff. I was very impressed with everything. Well, I'll take your word for it, because my back is faced, or was faced, to the painters. Right. Uh, but that's just the way we have things set up. But I did have a look. I mean, I went in there oh, to yeah, get some we, coffee before. Oh, yeah. And, it looked really good. Yeah, they, they, do, they were doing a good job. I was blown away. And the other thing that was really good was what I had for dinner tonight, which was a new creation. It's a chicken filly. I knew you would have to work it in. I know. That was a pretty good transition, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. The chicken filly. actually. It's a sliced up chicken breast with um, freshly sauteed peppers and onions and mushrooms. It was really tasty. Your choice aside, our uh, esteemed producer had the uh, double dog special. The double dog. Double dog, two uh, beautiful hot dogs on a big bun, your choice of uh, condiments and um, choice of side with um, a drink. So that's a new special and people are loving it. So what do we have coming up? Well, we have something coming up. It's a, a, a brand new announcement. Right, it's actually going to be given first here to our audience. Right, to our listeners. Because Jeremy, you know, on the break he was saying how I talk about letting the cat out of the bag. What I mean to say is that you are the first ones to know about what's going on with the symphony by listening to our broadcast. It's special. It's special. It's special is right. I feel special just to be a part of it. Go ahead. Okay. I'm excited. All right. On a scale from one to ten, an eight. Eight. And a half. That's it? Eight and a half. You should be at least a nine. All right, a nine. All right. We're going to have a symphony garage sale here at the River House, and the dates are Friday, March 27th, and Saturday, March 28th. So what kind of stuff you think people are going to show up with? I think people are going to bring all sorts of stuff. We've had garage sales before when we had our... um, other office in Cocoa Village. Hmm. That was an indoor event. People would bring over like you know furniture, knickknacks, records. What about pianos? Any grand pianos? Baby grands? Uprights? Yeah. Actually, no, no pe- baby grands. No, but actually, people they bring over like an upright piano. <laughs> what about guitars? Any guitars? Uh, we, you, know, you know, you could donate a guitar. If what you about a washing to. machine? I haven't seen any washing. I mean, I'm not asking for me. I'm just curious. Like, what you can donate anything you donate yeah. anything you want. I know, and um, you'll get a tax deductible receipt because the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra is a 501c3, you know, organization, and your uh, donation is tax deductible. Sure, and that's great. That's great information. Very helpful. Let me let me ask you this. Okay, um, so basically, they just show up. People show up with things they don't want anymore, right? Exactly. Is that it? And then yeah. they buy somebody else's stuff That's they don't I'm want. Saying. That's the beauty of a garage sale. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I just I had a vision of somebody coming with their girlfriend. That's a good one. <laughs> That's a good one. I, I think they would be auctioning. You know what? An, a girlfriend auction would be a good idea. Anyway, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's. I, I don't know if that's legal in the United States. No, it's not. But you're thinking about it. No, I'm not. No, Jeremy (laughs) just brought it up. Jeremy is a troublemaker. Ladies and gentlemen, Bill's got this look on his face. He's trying to imagine this girlfriend (laughs) auction. So. But anyway, we're not doing anything like that. We're That's having ridiculous. a a wonderful garage sale. Yeah, we're having a truck donated. A truck. When you say a truck donated, what does that mean? It's like a, a whole truck. Somebody's giving a truck to put so people can bring stuff for the garage. Okay, sale. then they take the truck back, right? Right. So they're not going to really be sitting here. The, I think Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So they're not donating the truck. Well, they're doing the the truck for the use for the week. for the use. Okay, right. exactly. All right. So well, that's good. It's very exciting. Yeah, that's. Nice, nice of them. Yeah, it's it's great. You know, the use of the truck. That's right. Is it like a box truck? Yeah, it's like a. I think it's a twenty-six foot moving truck. Okay, like a U-Haul. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's being donated, I think it's by three men in a truck. Okay. So they're very nice of them to do that for us. Well, what do we have coming up? I know we have an interview. We have another interview. Yes, Aaron has knocked it out of the park again. Uh, Marianne Kruger is uh, the subject today, and we're going to be looking forward to that. So, Marianne Kruger. Yes, I'm very excited about listening to the interview. Well, it should be a, a good interview. I like the way Aaron Collins does it. You know, he, he, he knows what he's doing. He has interview chops, as you say. That's right. And... Uh, Brian Williams, you know, he's kind of on the Brian back burner Williams. right now. So. Where is he? He's in the Philippines or what? Something like that. Okay. <laughs> trying to lay low. I thought he was trying to hook up with a network in the Philippines. He might, you know, because he's kind of on hiatus right now. Yeah, so. that's true. So anyway, he better watch out. Aaron's on the uh, prowl. Things could be worse. You could be Brian Williams. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So if you have problems, if you think you have problems, you don't. Exactly. So why don't we uh, go to the interview? Go to the interview? Yeah. Now? Okay. Why not? All right, let's go to the interview. This is Aaron Collins, Artistic Director of the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra, and today we're joined by Marianne Kruger. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Let's uh, talk a little about your background. You're, okay. uh, you're a soprano, yes. and uh, you have an opera background, a musical background. And yes. uh, let, When did you discover music? That happened very gradually. My parents always had a, a large record collection in their house. They didn't listen too much to it, but it was always there. Uh, my father has... Uh, a great love of classical music, loves the big symphonic stuff, big Beethoven symphonies, Brahms symphonies, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, then my older brother developed a love for the more mm, sensitive stuff, Bach and chamber music and that sort of thing. And I just grew up, well, always being the loudest singer around. <laughs> yeah. And then when I was 18... I started taking voice lessons when I was 15. When I was 18, I went to college, and I auditioned for the voice teacher there to continue voice lessons, and she said, do you mind if I get my partner over here, the other voice teacher that was working with her? 
no. So they listened to me. They looked at each other. They looked at me. Within two or three weeks, they were saying, you know, you ought to be a music major. Yeah. <laughs> okay. By the end of my first semester, they said, you ought to be seriously consider a career in opera. <laughs> wow. And so I said, okay. <laughs> now, growing up, did you, I mean, did you love to sing? Yeah. Uh, well, I sang a lot in the church choir. I took it seriously because I take everything seriously. Right. Yeah. I just grew up loving to sing. And even as a, as a little girl, <laughs> you know how you say, oh, what am I going to be when I grow up? And I was thinking, okay, I could be a writer, a singer, or a mathematician. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Tough one. Yeah. <laughs> I ended up being an opera singer. <laughs> awesome. Speaking of opera, do you find yourself more comfortable in opera, say, to popular songs, to musicals? Oh, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And, and for, for our listeners, tell us a little about the differences going between each of those different forms of music. Okay. In the popular genres, it's not true that, there, that personality is not involved in opera. It really is. Right. But in the popular genres, it's more of a personality. You're selling, you're, you're selling an image. You're selling a personality. And uh, you're also selling... It's more, for lack of a better word, it's more about showmanship. Right. It's giving the audience what it wants. Right. Tearing your heart out, throwing it on the stage, you know, banging the guitars on the stage, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's creating the passion any way you can. The classical arts are more controlled, mm -hmm. and a lot of times the beauty comes, well, not exclusively from that control, obviously, but it comes from the precision. It comes from the intensity um, that gets put in making something, well, it can't be perfect, but that's what you're going for. Right. And that, that's two entirely different personality types. Then there's a different approach to singing. In popular music and in Broadway stuff, the, the singing, although it didn't start out that way, at the beginning, musicals uh, on Broadway were sung by classically trained singers. Right. They didn't have microphones back then. Right. <laughs> yeah, they, they had did, to project to the back stage. of the stage. Yeah, back um, to the audience. But it's developed into something where you can use less of the voice, less of the body, and more of the sound, more of the spoken sound, more of the, the sound that gives it um, conversational individuality. Right. As opposed to the operatic sound, which is the sound of the voice as a musical instrument, almost just as a musical instrument. Yeah. With some flesh packed around it and then a little personality infused into it. Excellent. You were in Europe for quite some time. Yes. Uh, let's talk about your experience over there. Oh, right. I mean, that's, a, I guess, a very <laughs> wide-range question, seeing that you've had a lot of experiences over there. But tell me just a kind of a brief synopsis of your time over in uh, Europe and, and singing opera over there. Okay. The thumbnail sketch, that's, that's relatively easy. I went there uh, with uh, Deutsche Akademische Austauschdienst Scholarships. That's the German Academic Exchange Service Scholarship. It's their equivalent of a Fulbright. Yeah. Um, and I went there to study at the Hochschule für Musik in Munich. I was there for a year, but I didn't spend very much time at the school. I have to admit, I was off auditioning. Um, and then I... Luck smiled upon me, and I got a few uh, 
I got some uh, things for the next year uh, through a connection that my voice teacher had. I was able to jump into two performances as Don Elvira at the Staatsoper uh, Stuttgart. That was very nice. And I was also able to secure a production as Hannah Glavari in The Merry Widow in St. Gallen. Yeah. And that was my first season. And I did a few other things. I think I sang The Countess in The Marriage of Figaro in Mining in that year also. I was freelancing for a year. Then, as that work was just about running out, <laughs> I auditioned and I got a production in Darmstadt for a modern opera. And they kept me on in the ensemble. I stayed there for 12 years. Wow. And then, well, we had a new intendant. Uh, my place was no longer required. Right. <laughs> but I went on and I uh, was freelance. And I had, at that point, a massive uh, repertoire build up behind me. Right. And so I was freelance for some years after that. And then it came to the point where my parents needed me home and they had given me a lot of support over the years. And so I packed up, my husband and I packed it up and now I'm here taking care of them. That's essentially my career in a nutshell. Wow. Now, uh, let, let's go back a little bit. Uh, you mentioned that you were a house singer. Yeah. Uh, describe to our audience what uh, a house singer is. If you're, if you're part of an opera company, you said for 12 years, uh, what, what, what kind of things uh, can you expect as a house singer? Well, first thing you can expect is a monthly paycheck. Yes, that's <laughs> which good. Which is very nice. And another thing that's really great about being a house singer, you've got, you've got like, Two and a half months of vacation during the summer, paid right. vacation, which yeah. is also very nice. <laughs> we need our vacation. Yes. <laughs> it's a lovely, lovely thing. And for that, you have a contract. And I believe at the beginning of my contract, it may have said lyric soprano. It may have just said soprano. Um, but you are then expected to uh, be available to perform the the roles that are categorized as lyric soprano, or right. in this case, soprano, which would have been very dangerous if I had been in a less enlightened house. Uh, but they were very, they were good to their singers, and they also were responsive to what I felt I could do. And they worked me a lot. It's not like I was lazy. I did a lot. I had three major roles every season, and there were lots of singers that envied me because of it. Well, that's great. <laughs> Well, it's not great that people envied you, but I guess envy is uh, is a thing that runs rampant, in it, I guess, in any kind of profession. That's true. But that just speaks to you and your talents. Do you find yourself comfortable, more comfortable in any kind of uh, period of opera? Well, I think it's safe to say that Puccini and Verdi are the most comfortable of the yeah. composers. Um, and is it that they just write very well for the voice? They, they just had a very, very good they understanding? They write very well for the voice. Yeah. They create very sympathetic characters. Uh, it's very easy to be engaged and involved. And it, it's just very gracious music. Yeah. I've done one opera, exactly one, from the early Baroque period. I sang Popea. Yeah. And I'd say that's where I am least comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, because it's not vocally difficult, but it, it's just not my comfort zone. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, I sang two large Handel roles. I sang Alcina and I sang Rodolinda. 
Yeah, which is also not easy. Handel is not easy, but it's also gracious for, to the voice. Right. And it demands of the singer to give more of their own personality into the music, um, to invest in the, uh, in the ornamentation, to, to give flesh to what he has composed, which is gorgeous in and of itself, but it demands that the singer step up and be who she is, which is rather gratifying when it works. <laughs> Certain composer, I mean, you mentioned Verde, you also mentioned Puccini. Puccini yes. are, are those your two favorite composers, or uh, do you have a composer that rings out in your mind that's a favorite? No. Okay. <laughs> there's, there's just so much great music. So much. Yeah. Usually the question is, what's your favorite role? And my standby answer is Madama Butterfly. Yeah. Because it's, it's just a fantastic role to sing. There's a lot of it. You're on stage constantly. You get to show just about everything except coloratura. Right. <laughs> um, and it's also a wonderful, just heart-ripping role to sing. Yeah, it's a beautiful work. <laughs> it's absolutely beautiful.
Then you think of Verdi, and I haven't sung as many Verdi roles, but I've sung the uh, the Requiem mm-hmm. several times, which is just one of those pieces that beckons. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of my favorite works. <laughs> yes, I think it's one of a lot of people's favorites. It's yeah, one of mine, it's, too. It's so powerful, I mean, from start to finish. Right. Yes. One uh, And get, getting back to work that does not... Uh, I love it, but it doesn't love me, although it is not opera, is Bach. Yeah. I have sung, been in, in the situation of singing Bach professionally three times, and all three times something went wrong. <laughs> I love Bach, but he doesn't love me. Yeah. And that's just the way it is. <laughs> that's just the way it is. Having said that, and I digress a little, um, the most heartbreaking aria ever written for any piece of any time period by any composer has to be Aus Liebe from the St. Matthew Passion. Yeah. That gets you every time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, the continuo, the harpsichordist gets to warm his hands, the, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> and, and so do the, and the cellist, too. And it's just two oboes, a flute, and a soprano. And it's just naked, and it's heartbreaking. And uh, I had the opportunity to sing that. Two performances, one went well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little about uh, for younger singers out there. Uh, do you have any advice for young singers, singers that are looking to make a career in opera? The same advice that I got when I was young. Whenever you have the opportunity to audition, do it. Yeah. Doesn't matter what it is, just do it. Get doesn't matter if you want. Doesn't matter if you want the job or not. If you have the opportunity to audition, do it. Because the more you audition, the better you get at it the more comfortable you are at it. it, it you uh, get out, audition by, practice auditioning by auditioning. Get out there, do it. Because that's the only way you're going to get better. That's the only way you're going to feel more comfortable at it. And that way, when, you, when, the, when it is right, then you're right. What, how, whatever opportunities you have, just get out there and put yourself out there and listen to what they have to say and be polite and all that. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> the other thing... My uh, general philosophy is that if you need to do it, you have to. Because you'll regret it for the rest of your life if you don't. Right. If you don't need to do it, let it go. Because it's not worth the pain. You know, I like that. If you need to, you have to. It's all about passion. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, you'll never believe this. Uh, to join us is uh, Aaron Collins. He was just leaving. Aaron. What, what are you doing with your neck? Welcome to the show. <laughs> I don't know. It's okay. something that I do. Well, thanks for having me. I was uh, leaving the office, saw you sitting out on the patio, and I said, well, I'm going to sort of hop in and, and jump in on this uh podcast tonight that's, that's very cool yeah it's kind of warm out here but yeah eric had to take off and hey i'm going here i am the seat was empty yeah and here i am and here you are yeah. um that was a really great interview thank you and i know sometimes you know we we like talking you know this is great that's fantastic that really was i was very impressed thank you yeah she's a great soprano i met her last year uh she just moved into town she shot me an email said hey 
I'm the singer, I'm in this area, and I want to get to uh, know some of the uh, groups around here. And she's a fantastic soprano. You get to hear her several times in the interview, some of her excerpts from some of her performances around the world. And uh, she performed last year with us on Handel's Messiah Sing-Along, and she just blew the show out of the water. Everyone was just sweating and crying and may i'm exaggerating a little bit yeah, but after the i mean crying. yeah yes <laughs> i don't know yeah growing <laughs> up everywhere it was just a lovely performance uh, but uh she really just took the house down and uh did great and we're going to be working again with uh, her in the near future we have several programming ideas that we're tossing around and um, i'm very excited to do those with her so yeah well, I was present. I was there in the River House mm-hmm. when she came in to audition for you. Right. I you remember that? that? Yeah. 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 What did you think of it? I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was great. I thought, who is this? Well, did did we? Did you know she was auditioning when she came in, or did I, you just hear something happening in the audience? I heard office? her s- sitting in your office singing yeah. at the top of her yeah. lungs. So she was. I mean, controlled. I remember. Not not overbearing, but it well, was there you uh, go. a great, a really good a good audition. Obviously, she passed. Yeah, she wasn't. She we were, I was just trying to get a feel for her voice. I knew she was a great singer. She's got a great resume, but uh, you know, she's she had to get to know me. I had to get to know her, and sure. and, and and she, like I said, just is a terrific soprano. So, uh, look forward to uh, the second half of the interview on the show. Me too. Well, I know in the interview she was talking about the mechanics and the mm-hmm. business side of. Um, yeah, she's got a lot of experience. Well, she does. Um, and she she shares it throughout. And uh, she talks a little more about different aspects of singing, her career, and also some advice for some young singers as well. Sure, about yeah. auditioning especially. Yeah, she mentioned that in the, uh, on the first half, but on the second half she talks. Uh, we have I have an Ask Aaron portion on our website. Do you know that? No. Oh, okay. Well, there's this, it's like a blog, and we started it right when the symphony started. It's called Ask Aaron, and people can ask me whatever they want about the symphony orchestra. And it got so popular, hundreds of questions came in, and uh, it gives me an opportunity to, to answer any question they have. That's and good. I mean, there, good. there are some serious questions, and there's some not so serious questions, some about my hair. That's a very popular topic in the email. And, and you welcome them both. I do. I love them. So if you go on our website, you go to the Ask Aaron column, and there you have it. Uh, It's a a hodgepodge of questions and answers, and and I have a good time with that. So a young soprano from uh, Titusville, her name is Emily, she sent me a question asking, how do you sing high? And I could have given her just a a, a book definition answer, so to speak, but uh, since I had Marianne here, I said, well, Let's give it to her, and she gives some really good insight into that, and uh, we have a good time. I think these interviews uh, pull the curtain back, let people see behind the scenes, and and they like that. You know, it gets them closer instead of just going and seeing somebody perform. Right, and I love, you know, the way I like to interview is to just listen, and I think that's one of the paramounts of of a good interview. And I don't want to say I'm a great interviewer, but I love just sitting back, asking a question, and letting them talk and share their, their thoughts and their passion, you know, without unfiltered um and so uh she's she's a great singer and i'm glad i had a chance to interview her and we have so many more interviews coming up in the near future and also some other content that we're uh really excited next week uh i will be doing a 30 minute bit on um tchaikovsky's fifth symphony so i'm going to kind of go inside the music explore it and uh kind of 
prep the crowd for what to expect when we uh, perform Tchaikovsky's Fifth Symphony. So that's next week. Oh, I'll be looking forward to that. Uh, will be, you? That'd be neat. Yeah. You hear the train Absolutely. in the background? Yes, I do. I like yeah. that. We are out here in front of Maestro's Cafe. It's a great night. Not one mosquito. Can you believe it? No mosquitoes. I can't I love believe that. it. I was just waiting to see if you could work talking about some sort of train-themed music into the, <laughs> yeah. into train. the conversation. And there's quite a few pieces. Uh, Pick uh, one. <laughs> well, uh, we just did a piece called Ghost Train by Eric Whitaker. Ah, and nice. uh, it's a wind band piece. Uh, Eric Whitaker is an incredible composer, uh, known for a lot of his choral works, but he's written some incredible uh, wind bands and orchestral works, and he wrote a piece called Ghost Train. It's three movements, and, and uh, it, it's incredibly evocative of a train. So... Well, not to switch gears Are we? or to switch tracks, okay. but we have the Spizzwings coming oh, up. Oh, tracks. Yeah. Good See one. what I did there? I did. That was yeah. a pretty good segue. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Spizzwings. We have the Spizzwings coming up this weekend. Mm-hmm. So uh, everybody's looking forward to that. And from what I understand, the show here in Brevard is sold out. Is that correct? That's correct. It's okay. completely full. Um, that's very exciting. So uh, it's always good energy when you have a full house. And then our next show, or the night before, Wednesday night, we are doing a show in Vero Beach right, is on that? the 11th. And that show is, I'd say, about 75% capacity from what I was told. Okay. And uh, But I see over the next weekend um, coming up that uh, the show will hopefully pack the house. They don't get to do that in Vero Beach rarely. I was going to say, even at 75%, that's a pretty big house. It's 1,800 seats. So, yeah, it's, it is a big house. And... Uh, and they don't, like I said, they're, they're very excited about the opportunity of perhaps filling up Vero Beach High School. And I hope we can do it. Absolutely. Well, the Spizwinks, March 11th at the Vero Beach High School for Performing Arts, 7 p.m. And, um, 7.30 p.m. 7.30 p.m. Okay. Nice notes on your PM. napkin there. <laughs> uh, you're talking. It's, uh, it's, it, no, it's a recyclable notepad. <laughs> Oh, is that what we're calling you're it? Ta- okay. You're talking about Eric, actually. Oh, okay. But he left. You're blaming this on Eric? Yes, absolutely. Okay. And March 12th at the Scott Center for Performing Arts, also 7.30 p.m. That's correct. Yeah. Awesome. So we're going to have uh, a great time. I look forward to it, and I know everybody else does. Um, I have some family and friends that are attending as well. They're going to love it. It's classics, pops, uh, beatboxing, everything, comedy. So it's kind of a, a great mix that's going to leave the audience just going, dang, that was awesome. So. Well, I look forward to being one of them. I know that you are in a hurry. You have to get to Orlando. That's true. And... Um, you know, so let's uh, let's go to the second half of the interview. Let's go to let's go. Uh, let's talk a little about preparation when you're preparing for a role. Uh, how much time do you put into it? I mean, it's a it's a lot of, for me, when I'm studying a score, it, it takes a lot of personal time with that score to just really get into it. Absolutely. And that's just one layer. And then <laughs> you, the more time goes on, it's, uh, it's, you're learning constantly, even after the fact, after you perform it in concert, you're still, you know, f- discovering these new things oh, in, yeah. the, in music. So when you're preparing for a role, uh, what, how much time do you put into it? 
<laughs> if, like if there is a certain answer. period, yeah. I mean, I mean, a period of time of weeks, months. Oh, months. I mean, months. Yeah. Months. Um, it's not learning the role, but it's learning the role. It's working it into your body. Right. It's getting to know the character. It's getting to know the music. And it's also just being, you know, n- knowing what you're supposed to do so that when you show up for rehearsals, it's there. Right. Yeah, it depends, but my... <laughs> A good answer would probably be as much time as I have. Right. And I learned that the hard way. Uh, there was one season that I had, I had, how many roles was it? I think nine. I mean, some of it was repeats from the, the, the previous season. But I had to learn, okay, Das Junge Mädchen in Moses and Aaron, which is a small role. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, it took time because it's, right. <laughs> because it's Schoenberg. Uh, then there was an operetta, then there was Desdemona in uh, Otello, and then there was Lucia, and then there was Arminda in Finta Giardiniera, that's a Mozart opera, and then there was Michaela, and it was, the, the season was packed, and so I learned as much as I could possibly learn, just, uh, just getting the music into my head, if not into my body, before the season started. Right. <laughs> so in that case, I started a year in advance yeah. in and, some cases. And do you find yourself you can multitask easily between roles? Oh, uh, well, that's another reason. If you're working on several projects that are completely to, different. W- w- the, as soon as you know when you have a project, that's when you start working on it. Because if something that I learned being a freelancer... When other projects come in between, all of a sudden that time that you thought you had before, right. before it shows yeah. up, that goes away. Absolutely. <laughs> so the more time you spend with something, the better it is, the more comfortable it is. And also, it's the, the more you know a piece, the more wonderful it becomes, the, the more fun it is to sing. I mean, I'm discovering these classics. And you always do. Now. And I, I mean, it'll continue as time goes on. You always do. And that's that's. And I look wonderful. forward to being old. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> and having that knowledge and experience with these pieces. Because even for those conductors, they, um, as time goes on, their interpretation, their ideas of that piece change with time. Oh, yes. So, you know, they can approach it at a much, you know, at a younger age one way and then find a completely different approach, you know, 50 years later. Oh, yes. And that's what's exciting. As you grow up, your ideas, your, you know, thoughts on music change and that influences, you know, your interpretations many years later. Oh, absolutely. People, we are human beings after all, and we bring our humanity to the music. Right. And that humanity is not the same when you're 25 as when you're 50. It's a, it, in a way, it becomes a different piece of music. Absolutely. Because the musicians have changed. Even if they're the exact same musicians, they're not the same. Experience brings change. Let's talk about singing in different languages. I mean, you can almost argue that linguistics is maybe even more, I don't want to say more important than vocal training. <laughs> you have to have it. <laughs> you have to have it um, to, to make it work. You have to know what... Others are singing, you know, around you, the other roles. Linguistics is such a big part in, uh, in vocal uh, training. So tell me a little about that. First of all, the number of operas written in English are relatively few. Right. So first of all, you got to get used to the idea that most of it is in Italian, a good chunk of it is in German. 
Then you get a, a smattering of French, and then you go to various get different to, languages. Get used to it. You're gonna have to work in different language, not to, languages. Not to mention the Latin and all the liturgical repertoire. Right. Um, I, of course, easily the most work I ever put into a piece linguistically was for Eugen Onegin, which is in Russian. Uh-huh. And as it happens, I only sang it in Russian. I, I never had to sing it in German, or never got to sing it in German. Uh, but learning it in Russian, because I don't speak a word of it, right. <laughs> that was challenging. But yeah, you have to know what's going on. You have to know what everyone else on, on the stage is saying and able to, in, in order to be able to respond to it intelligently. Right. Um, and in that case, just for my role, I created a study book uh, from the score with four lines. One had a literal translation, that is, I went through and I looked up every word in a Russian d- dictionary. One with a working translation from a recording mm-hmm. that I had. And one with a, a transliteration. Well, there was a transliteration already there, but then with extra um, pronunciation notes uh, from the coaching that I got. And then it's just study, study, study. Because when you're working, especially when you're working with a language that you don't speak or haven't studied at all, that right. makes it a lot more complicated. Fortunately, there is an opera glossary of sorts. Mm-hmm. And you begin to see all kinds of words pop up again and again, like lyubov, which means love. Right. <laughs> or son, which means dream. I mean, <laughs> there is a, an opera glossary, which, which is common to all operas, it seems. But yeah, the more you study languages, this, the easier it is, certainly. And if you can speak, if you're conversant in those languages, that makes it even simpler. Okay. I recently had a question, that portion on, uh, called Ask Aaron, where users can send in questions to me. And, and they sent, um, I got a question from a young soprano, and I figured, well, since you're here, I will uh, ask you. It's how do I hit high notes? What do I have to do to hit high notes? So uh, short of just saying you have to have support and, and uh, have resonance, uh, is there anything more that you may want to add to uh, that kind of question? <laughs> I can answer it in many different ways. but uh, um, well, I'm, Okay, how do you hit high notes? Uh, practice. Uh, uh, one thing that my voice teacher told me, and I thought it was very, very sparse in terms of advice, mm-hmm. was go back. And I was like, what does that mean, go back, when I was a student? Right. <laughs> okay. Now I understand what that means um, because it, it, it's in reference to oh, keeping your throat open. Yeah. And going back is a very pithy way of saying, get your jaw down and out of the way, get your tongue anchored down and out of the way, get your throat open, which will keep your larynx in a nice low position. Yeah. And it also helps to get uh, a lot of air in, so you get a lot of support underneath it. How do you hit high notes? Practice. All right, Emily in Titusville. Um, There you go. There's your answer. Do you teach? No. Is that something that interests you, or is... when I was at Indiana University, I was a, an AI, assistant instructor, yeah. which meant that uh, I got a little bit of money for, to pay for my classes and also to, uh, to pay for books because I was teaching 
my I undergrad. Taught, I taught undergrad people that yeah, sure. so that the real voice teachers didn't have to be bothered. <laughs> Absolutely. That's the way it works. I don't think I'm a very good teacher. Yeah. <laughs> no, I had one of my colleagues, actually, this was one of the finer compliments I've ever gotten. She was having a little trouble with the Mozart role, and so I gave her some advice that my teacher gave me way, way back when. And then afterward, she came up to me, and she, she asked me, a colleague, someone on... I was singing with this woman on the stage with her, and she had... In that particular opera, she had the major role. I had a secondary role. Uh, and she asked me to give her some lessons, and I said, No. <laughs> No. And she's, well, that's okay. I'll pay you. I was like, no. If you had to do Helsitzen, that means, <laughs> which means I'll, 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 I'll talk to you formally. I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a great compliment. talk a little about chamber music and art songs. I mean, you have your role as an opera singer, um, and uh, but this is a completely different animal. Oh, yeah. And uh, tell me a little about that. Ah, okay. Well, since I've been a professional singer, my chamber stuff has been rather sparse. I did a lot as a student. Uh, the voice teacher that I had at Middlebury, she put together all kinds of chamber um uh, like camps, uh, and she worked with uh, Blanche Moise. Blanche Moise is the daughter-in-law of a famous flautist who lived in the earlier part of the century, and she also helped uh, found the Marlborough Music Festival with Rudolf Serkin. Yeah. She, my voice teacher worked with her to get these you know, chamber music ensemble camps going, and I did some stuff then really quite nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different animal altogether. It's uh, because when you're working in chamber music, everybody's a conductor. Right. E- everybody's responsible. Everybody has equal response. They're all soloists and they're all leaders, it's, uh, which is great, but it's just a different way of looking at things. And it's also wonderful because it's this small camp-like feeling, for lack of a better description. 
just want to take a moment and thank you for coming, Mary. And, it's my pleasure. Uh, oh, it's my pleasure. If you'd like to uh, know more, uh, you can always visit our website, www.spacecoastsymphony.org. And uh, Mary will be singing with the orchestra many times in the future, so uh, I know you will uh, get a chance to catch her in performance and marvel in her singing. So thank you very much. enjoyed that interview. Thank you. Aaron, you know how to interview. You have what we refer to as interview chops, interviewing chops. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. In fact, uh, Eric and I were talking uh, in the first segment of the program about um, you giving Brian Williams a run for his money. And I said, well, where is he? In Philippines or what? But there's no doubt in my mind. I mean, Listening back, I'm telling you, when you listen to this show, you did a great job interviewing because, like you said, you ask mm-hmm. questions and you let them talk. That's the secret. Yeah. But um, to a good to to a good interview. I won a prize in 1984. Really? Yeah, in Havana for interviewing. Wow. Take that, Brian Williams. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, like I said, I didn't win a prize. I was a two. In Havana. No. <laughs> you had me you going. Got that? 
Yeah. Okay, I did. good. I did. I, I did. was just pulling a Brian Williams. I know. Nothing against Brian Williams. I know. I like him, but. I was playing along. Okay, good. Shoot. Yeah, that was very good. Good. Um, well, looking forward to Inside the Music. Thank you. That's, that's next gonna... week on the podcast, uh, talking right. about Tchaikovsky's Fifth Symphony. So uh, that'll be a lot of fun. And also, not only his Fifth Symphony, but explore his life a little bit. And that kind of gives context to the symphony itself. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll be, uh, that'll be good. Um, some information that I'm sure a lot of people aren't familiar with as myself. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, Tchaikovsky, Tchaikovsky Five. Chike 5, as I call it, uh, March 21st, Vero Beach High School for, for Performing Arts in Vero Beach. I'm getting tongue-tied. 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. and uh, March 22nd at the Scott Center for Performing Arts at 8 p.m. in uh, Melbourne. That's 3 p.m. That's that's two strikes, Bill. I, I could have blamed this on Eric. I could have sworn, sworn it said 8. Yeah, that's a 3, my friend. That's a 3? Well... Okay, well, you should know. anything. But yeah, it's an afternoon concert at the Scott Center. For the love of Pete. Yes. Should that be edited out? No. No, okay. Keep All it right. in. Keep it in. I, I, am, I am right here on the internet site. If you want to see, I can read it right off here. Yeah, tell us. <laughs> Which concert again? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, so yeah, that's March 22nd at 3 p.m. Okay, 3 p.m., yes. All right. Yes. It, people love to hear mistakes. They do. We thrive. Well, I thrive on mistakes. Okay. I like mistakes. You have to make them in order to improve. Yeah. That's true. Without them, where do you go? So there are no stupid mistakes. There are really, well, there could be stupid mistakes, but just don't repeat them. Stupid decisions. Yeah, stupid decisions. But, you know, kind of makes you who you are. That's true. Wow. So I'm a guy that forgets times. Mm hmm. Or that, you know, can't read uh, mi- micro dr- writing by Eric. Yeah. I mean, he, I've never seen anybody write so small in my entire life. Right. Anyway, but you should know, I mean, what time it is. You're the conductor. You're the founder of it's this It's in thing. my calendar. Yeah. Anything you want to say? I know you're getting ready to uh, head I just to Orlando. Maybe mention uh, today we went to Daytona Beach. Sure. Uh, we're looking to start performing in Daytona Beach. We have a couple uh, significant... Uh, requests to uh, come up there. So we're exploring that opportunity. So we took a look at a few venues. We went to the News Journal Center. We went to the Peabody Auditorium. We uh, had uh, lunch there and uh, got to meet the staff of both uh, both venues. And uh, we're very optimistic about next year. We're going to be looking to do maybe three or four concerts there for the first season wow, uh, in, in Daytona. And then... Over time, you know, it really explored and, and maybe release the Kraken and Daytona the Beach. Kraken. That's the orchestra. Yes. That's our analogy for the day. I like that. Yeah. Um, how were the venues? I mean, did you, were, were you impressed? I was. Uh, they're good venues. Uh, we'll keep it at that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Can't kind of keep it under wraps. I like that. Keep it under wraps. Okay. We'll talk about them in the future. All right. Um, but I think uh, Daytona Beach, I'm, I'm very excited about that opportunity. Well, I am too. And I would have liked to have gone, but I had business back at the River House that I had to attend to. Yeah. To attend to. Let's put it that way. Um, ladies and gentlemen. This has been another really cool show. I, I like this. It's outside. It's nighttime. Um, and Aaron is about to go back, go, go in, his, in his car to Orlando. You're going to be on I-4. Are you taking I-4? 
<laughs> no. to Orlando. I thought you had to go to Orlando. Well, I am. Okay. I'm taking the beeline to the Orlando. The beeline. <laughs> but are you going to hit I-4 at any point? No, actually, I'm going to... Drive an hour north to Daytona. You're a wise and guy. And you can, uh, hit I-4. I yeah. know. I know that I he's love not it. taking I-4 from me. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to be you taking guys. the beeline and hitting 417. So uh, I love you guys. I do. You're thank funny. You. We get a pick on you. All right. But yeah, going to Orlando tonight. Got a couple things going on in the morning. Uh involving the symphonies um and so should be good yeah that'd be great um we'll have a safe trip i don't know if you have a little uh, do you have one of those little things in your windshield what is it for tolls or do oh, you just sun pass oh yeah or are you old school i'm old school me too i actually like to say hi to everybody you know what i do too yeah i actually hey what's going on how are yeah. you yeah my friends make fun of me for it because i'm so cordial overly cordial you're not going to believe this. I was remarking about somebody's shirt and the toll, the toll booth. You know those funky-looking shirts they wear? Yeah. The multicolor, like, Florida-looking shirts? Sure. Yeah. Well, um, somebody actually bought me one. Do I'm you, not kidding. you wear it? No, I don't wear it. like a Hawaiian shirt? Yeah, it's oh, like okay. a Hawaiian shirt. I used to wear Hawaiian shirts in high school. I have a collection. That, you know, that went with the kind of my nerd theme when I was, you know, a little younger. But I got out of that real quick. Well, you it, have a collection of Hawaiian shirts? Yes, I do. You still? I so? have Florida shirts, Hawaiian shirts, fishing shirts. I've never seen shirts. you wear a Hawaiian shirt. Jeremy has. Oh. Well, what a lucky guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now this has been a great show. It has. We Thank had you. to talk about the Hawaiian shirts. Now I, I really think we can end it. We can wrap the show. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just Ladies make sure everybody knows that uh, next week, special segment. Special segment. Tchaikovsky's Fifth Symphony Inside the Music. Yes. Yes, Chike 5. Looking forward to it. Great. Ladies and gentlemen, Bill Trudeau. And this is Aaron Collins. And I'm Jeremy Hickman. Saying, we'll see you at the show. You've been listening to Maestros On Air. Brought to you by the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. Remember, you can support the symphony in many ways including a visit to Maestro's Cafe, located just inside the main entrance to the Brevard Central Library and Reference Center, 308 Forest Avenue, Cocoa, Florida. Maestro's Cafe serves a variety of coffee and other drinks, as well as breakfast and lunch selections, and is open most days from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. with extended hours on Tuesday and Thursday, closed Sunday. For more information about the symphony or upcoming events, like us on Facebook or visit our webpage at spacecoastsymphony.org. And remember, as always, we'll see you at the show.